You are now doing less with John and Jeff. And may I say, John, you have taken do less to heart. Uh, it looks like you haven't shaved in maybe two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's fair. <laughs> I haven't. I figure what better what better time to try to grow the meager amount of facial hair that I can when I'm not going to be seeing anyone for probably months. <laughs> uh, I gotta say, uh, looks like you got some nice peach fuzz right there. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I have been doing less. <laughs> I think we've, all, we've all been doing a little less. That's true, unlike the Fed, but, you know... I can't say I'm shocked. <laughs> right. Uh, so today is Thursday, April 9th, um, and the the announcements just keep coming. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's not look um, good. It started off as like, wow, you know, every time they would come out with something, to me it was like, I can't, I can't believe they could do that. I can't <laughs> believe they could do that. And now it's at, it's at the point where I'm like, all right, I'm, I like know they can't do that, but they're doing it anyway. <laughs> right. It's like, dude, are we all just gonna stand around and not talk about this, dude? It's so we'll, much. We'll talk right, about so it. much at this point. I almost like don't care anymore because it's like, it just seems like they're. I used to follow like every every move by the Fed, but now they're doing so much that it's like, all right, they can just do whatever they want. <laughs> so <I'm> yeah, just, <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah, I I completely agree. I was just thinking about this today. Um, the difference between me you know, four weeks into the quarantine and one week into the quarantine was like the first week I was like glued to like this, the markets. Like mm -hmm. I was like, what are, what are, how are the markets reacting to this news? Oh, this other piece of news came out. How are the markets reacting mm -hmm. to that? Well, now I'm like stuff, stuff like today that comes out, which we'll, which we'll talk about a little bit, um, comes out and I'm just like, oh, the markets are up 1%. I, I can't even call them markets anymore. That's something you, <laughs> that's something you told me. You, you you said like it, I don't think market is the appropriate term anymore, and I was like that's so that's so true. That completely reflects how I feel right now. It's like it, I don't really care about what's happening in treasuries, what's happening in stocks, what's happening in uh, you know almost everything, because I'm just like what is this? What of it? What of these movements is real? And what is just artificial buyers from the Fed? You know, from the government propping up prices and and diminishing volatility like it's just like it's like fake <laughs> it's yeah like fake, it's uh, just it's pretty meaningless markets. a lot of it at this point like you know i guess you could just try to like go along the fed i guess and just buy everything you think they're gonna buy but that's just not that feels like dirty to me <laughs> yeah um so the announcement that they came out with today was that they're going to be purchasing uh, high yield uh, corporate uh, debt, mm -hmm. which is junk junk bonds. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's along the line. They've already announced that they're going to be purchasing equities, uh, which I I know. I know I was making a big deal about it at the time because I thought that was completely unprecedented. We've only really ever seen that in Japan, uh, which was like this massive experiment that didn't really go well. <laughs> so I was like, what's going to happen? And then now they're they're moving into junk bonds, which is like, uh, it's a complete, a move to that is like completely 
um, I don't know, unprecedented is losing its value. It's losing its like meaning at this point, but it's just like to do that is such a moral hazard. I don't think we should get into that as much, but it's just like a, another move that they've made. That's just like, you know, how much good can this cause? Like, this is such a, it's, it's such a market destroying fake way to operate a financial, you know, the financial sector, financial financialization in the economy. It's like, like how can they do that why are they doing that i mean it seems like they can do whatever they want because it doesn't seem like anyone cares so like this kind of like relates to some other things i was thinking about too is like you know we have the constitution and the constitution prevents certain things from being done but there's all sorts of stuff that our government and uh, like the federal reserve for example does that should be in violation of the constitution like just the basic fact that our money is not on a uh gold standard, standard. and yeah. look i'm not like huge on gold like i'm not i'm not one of those people that thinks like gold is like the perfect uh form of currency i actually think there could be alternatives that would be better and i actually think you could have a fiat system that does work but my point is this was prevented by the constitution for good reason because of what we're seeing now that they knew this is the kind of stuff that happens when you basically hand government the keys to just create money as they please. Um, and so that, that was why that was in the constitution, but clearly no one cares. So the constitution only matters as much as people care about it. Like if the overwhelming majority of people want something that violates the constitution, you know, we've seen the Supreme Court will find ways to reinterpret it or whatever and just get it is what that people want uh, done. And so really, like the value of your institutions is only as much as people's faith in them and, and believe in them and how much they think they're important. Um, and I just don't think people give a shit <laughs> about either the Constitution yeah. or, you know, whatever. Um, I do. Th I, I get a sense that more people are waking up to the Fed, though. Um, I think, I mean, some people think, you know, what they're doing is they, they can, they should do even more. Like they should just print, you know, that's like the MMT people. But I think there's more and more people being like, all right, this seems a little, little crazy. The amount of money they're creating, everything they're buying like this, they're like the, the, I guess the acceleration of it is starting to bring more uh, more attention to them, whereas I feel like before they've been flying under the radar. Yeah, I had an interaction with someone on Twitter um, that is kind of leading on to what you're talking about. He was someone who doesn't, who probably may not know as much about the Fed or about economic policy, but he made a po he, he made a tweet that was like, um, "This is kind of absurd." You know, you know the amount they're just kind of creating of the amount of money that you're just kind of creating is two trillion like a special like doesn't he was like basically calling out does anyone know more about this like why is two trillion the right amount and 10 trillion for example would be like crazy way too much and i responded and i was just like you know i was kind of talking to him about uh i was i was kind of try, like trying to explain and when he asked that i was just like dude i can't answer that because honestly i think that I think two trillion is too much. <laughs> right, any I think amount. any amount of printing. <laughs> like I was trying to, um, I forget what I first engaged with, uh, but 
anyway, it, it, yeah, it kind of came to that. He kind of just was like, okay, so why is two trillion okay? And I was just like, you know, it's a good question. Uh, I think more people should be asking that. I think there's probably some econ PhD somewhere at the treasury or somewhere at the Fed who's telling their advisor or telling their you know higher ups like, yes, this is okay. This is what we should do. Not that um, more printing. You know, more, you know, don't just don't raise taxes. We need more print. So there, there's like these high educated, educated in quotation marks, econ majors, econ PhDs that are kind of ruling policy. And it's just like the debate in my mind is still open, but in a lot of people's minds, the debate is over. It's like, this is the right way to do. We have to listen to the politicians and the Right. high up economic and the, the uh, fed bears no costs no repercussions for their actions whatsoever so it's it's impossible really for them yeah, they're, they're not they're not even elected <laughs> right like it's impossible for them to basically say to themselves what what are their limits like when a company goes like if coca-cola goes all right how many cans of coke should we produce and someone's like oh all, all of them you know just keep keep them going <laughs> They're gonna be like, no, that's so much money. There's not, there's not gonna be any people wanting that. So like, they have restrictions on what they create. But the Fed, when it creates money, and we know there's gonna be costs to this, they don't actually bear the costs. Whereas Coca-Cola would if they create too many of their product. So they, you know, there's just no driving force in the other direction against what they're doing until like maybe public opinion is so uh, negative of what they're doing, then maybe they can get some blowback. But it seems like to me, the only people that care about the Fed are people that are benefiting from it. And they're just saying, yeah, keep going. You know, there's no like, I don't know, there's, there's, you know, there's people like us, but <laughs> yeah, a lot of us are just talking to ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard. It's like, it's not understood well enough by enough people mm -hmm. to have the national debate in my opinion because um <laughs> this is kind of something we were talking about uh it's like why is there so much unknown about economics like what how can you have a period like the great recession and have some people so sure what caused the recession the great recession of 2008 and so sure about the solution that they're going into this next crisis with you know, surety on their side. They're mm. like, we know what worked before. In fact, the only thing that limited our potency last time was we didn't do enough. <laughs> we didn't do enough printing fast enough. Right. So when we know this time, we, we've learned um, that to do more faster <laughs> is the solution. Like they've, and that's that's our policymakers that have gone on 60 minutes right. and said this kind of stuff. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. There's a good amount of people. I bet you would pull across the country maybe they don't maybe they're not active about it but if they got this whole thing laid out to them they'd mm -hmm. be like wait a minute i don't like that i don't want that right you know what i mean and it's like yeah where's the representation like that's and again like when they say it worked last time what they're going by is like gdp numbers and stock market and real estate values and this is a lot of stuff that this doesn't benefit a lot of average people in america like it a lot of this, these numbers that got, you know, inflated back up have nothing to do with the average American. So it's like, right. they're completely the living in their order. own delusion 
with their own yeah. their, their models, never questioning the assumptions that go into these models, and just go, oh yeah, it worked. Look at our models. Look, it was perfect success. And it's like if you just went to go talk to someone who got like hit by the Great Recession and has never recovered. It's not even like they recovered and then got set back again. They just they've been there since. You know, just right. a simple conversation with a person like that is like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I'll always remember the response from the guy I was referencing that went on 60 Minutes, Neil Kashgar. He had a tweet a couple months ago when he was kind of pressed on this. Someone challenged him, was like, um, when he, you know, the Fed kind of touts this position of like, oh, we want more inflation. So someone went to Neil Kashgar on Twitter and was like, go into a grocery store in Alabama and tell them, you know, tell them you're doing policy. You want more inflation. You want prices to be to go up higher. And he said, "Yale, yeah, go into Alabama. Tell them that because the, we created, you know, we've created the inflation that led to their higher wages. You know, they ha- they have higher wages. And then he mentions like uh, the, the real wages. And I'm like, you're talking about real wages in the same conversation. You want higher inflation. Real wages are lower <laughs> after inflation. Right. So it's like it's just like this kind of. I, I do want to go back to. One of the thing, one of the things you were building up on, you were saying um, how they they're unchecked. That, you know, these policymakers yeah. are unchecked, um, and and it's almost even worse than that because they're unchecked and their their metrics that you know are kind of meaningless to most of the population. Mm-hmm. They they can they, you know they can uh, kind of rig them right. in a way. So not only are they nothing, they have no feedback. They have the feedback that they have. Have they can manipulate to the way they want. So it's like <laughs> almost true. even more like devilish, more um, kind of messed up. It's like it's not only am I going to tell you what's right, and not only am I going to enact the policy the way I want with no recourse, no backlash whatsoever. If it doesn't work out, I'm just going to tell people that. We want, you know, if I, if I if my policy is for more inflation and we don't get more inflation, I'm just gonna tell people that we want more inflation so we can do my do more of my policy. So it's right. like, it's like almost. Not only is it no backlash, it's like the backlash that they do have it is manipulatable by them. Like right, they can just say what they want. And like um, at the heart of it is the fact that, you know, they have no competition. Right, they are this, you know, branch of the government. They're not competing with anyone. They have no constraints whatsoever. It's like if you put just some Joe Blow and and you taught him a bunch of sparring moves and you had him spar against a dummy, he could probably think he's, you know, the shit. Like he could be like, oh, I'm great at fighting. I'm awesome. I learned all these. I'm sick at. But until you actually throw him in the ring with someone else and he gets his ass kicked, he's never going to know like that he's Mm -hmm. actually not that good. That's that's what competition is. It's like. You don't know who the best in the world is until you actually compete and you figure it out. And like that's why capitalism works is because you let people's ideas, you put them to the test. Um, and the Fed doesn't compete with anyone. They just do whatever they want. And what, if it works or it doesn't, it doesn't matter. There's, <laughs> there's, no, there's no drawbacks to it. Yeah, and so leading up to this economic event, this kind of crisis that we're dealing with, um, before this, like in normal times, I'll say, so the last like year, year and a half, uh, before this, the Fed 
the way they operate, I mean, they have to make they, they have they have like four meetings a year where they like set the policy, they mm-hmm. set the the interest rates. Um, I think that I don't I don't have the data on this, but just from watching, I think that if you would have just taken the majority futures on the interest rate leading into that meeting, and you just set the policy according to the futures, <laughs> like if the futures were <laughs> anticipating a rate cut. And then there's just an automatic computer program that says, okay, rate cut. You know, who knows? Maybe the Fed even has this computer program <laughs> running. Or they have the futures up and they say, okay, what does the market expect is going to happen? Uh, let's do that. We don't want to piss everyone off. I so mean, that's like, in effect what they're doing. So it doesn't, they could say, no, 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 that's not what we're doing. But that is what they're doing. So, <laughs> so, so in normal time, what, t- what I'm getting at is in normal times, they like don't have a job. They just kind of are operating under this. Uh, <laughs> operating as the as the market market is dictating and then in a period like this where it's like okay we need someone to save us we need some policy we need you know a wise person to get up at the helm and tell us you know what we need to well they're just they're just throwing the kitchen sink at whatever's moving <laughs> they'll just buying up there's like unprecedented okay try this try this try this and it's like well if it works it's like you probably have your name remembered. If it doesn't work, it's like probably no one will remember your name. Right. You, you know, it's like there's no there's no system of incentive. There's a, you're just kind of so that to me sounds like a job that's very cushy and easy. <laughs> you get paid well. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame them for for wanting the job. Uh, I just blame like the an, job for existing. <laughs> it's like an entirely experimental thing that's like uh, that has the most impact on like hard-working average americans mm-hmm. and, and we're just like um we just have to like deal with what they tell us is the right way right thing to be even if you disagree with it yeah you you, you said to me um why isn't economics like quantum physics <laughs> it's like in quantum physics we have an understanding of like these very very intense uh, like hard to understand concepts mm-hmm. and my response was I think economics is like quantum physics in a way, but the only difference is that not every single politician and every other person is trying to implement right. <laughs> theory over quantum physics. Like if people that don't understand quantum physics, they kind of stay away and they say, I'll leave that to the experts. <laughs> but when it comes to economics, it's like everybody has got, everyone knows what's right and everybody who, yeah. Right, and it's just like, I guess in economics, it's like, uh, well, it, here's the funny thing, right? Is like if you're right about economics, you don't need to do anything. If you understand it, there's nothing to do. You know, there's no planning. There's no nothing. Right. There's no policy. You don't yeah. actually do. If you understand economics really well, there's no <laughs> there's no career for you really. Not really. I mean, maybe you could yeah. be economic advisor, but what do you do? You just oh, should we intervene? No. If the answer just like <laughs> you could literally just have a post-it note. On your office door that just says no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like it's like, oh, should we do this? And the answer is no. It's it's that's it. Like that's that's economics. It's just let people be free to yeah. decide. Don't let people steal from each other. Okay. That's you need that. But it's like there's really nothing to do, right? So it like that that's what's so funny about it is you know. A bunch of people who don't even really know anything about economics is like, oh, we should do this. We should do that. And e- even the experts are like, we should do this. We should do that. It's like, 
You don't need to know anything about economics. You just need to not get in the fucking way. <laughs> yeah. It makes me think of a blog I was reading. I think it was Tim Ferriss. He was talking about why companies, or it was Tim Ferriss' interview, why companies need a chief incentive officer, which is hmm. not a very common role. It's like a, a person that can analyze people's incentives mm-hmm. and make sure that your company is operating in a way where people are incentivized to do well. Hmm. Right. And there's a lot of examples. I'm not going to get into exactly what the, it's kind of straightforward, what the incentive officer would be doing, making decisions on. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's what a good ec- economist would fill that role would be like, would analyze like, oh, this person uh, analyze their incentives. Like just like the analysis of incentives, mm-hmm. I feel like is where economics has it's like, and like, if you know, like if Jeff is saying, if you know economics, you know that you have to let people operate under their in their incentives like mm-hmm. incentives will drive everyone to do what is in their own interest mm-hmm. um and so when people are incentivized to do the wrong thing well that's when you start getting straying away from the past from the path that you want mm-hmm. so if you have like a good economist to fulfill that role they could see like oh you know our employees are incentivized to not you know compete with each other in this area or whatever and you're getting really not really good results in your this sector of your company, uh, this section of your company, and like the economists be like, you're not getting enough uh, market interaction between those employees. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a interesting applied economics. Like a free market is the best solu- best thing you can have, right? But that doesn't mean it it's going to produce everything you want all the time. And so, like the free market will lay you off. The free market will have shortages. Mm-hmm. The free market will have stock market crashes. The free market will have real estate crashes. You know, the free market will have bank runs. These are all products of the free market. It's not, it's not a utopia. And when it produces results that people don't like, they, they think, oh, we could have avoided this. And it's like, yes, maybe you could have avoided that. But what, are, what else, what other problems are you creating that you're not thinking about Every time you try to step in and fe- fix one thing, uh, it's kind of like if you had like, like a leaky bucket or whatever, and you're just patching one hole and it just co- forces the water out another hole or whatever. So it's people often look at like they focus on the specific problem and they don't look at all the other problems they've created by fixing that one. And so it's like the best solution is just to let everyone act in their own interest because each person has the most information available to themselves. And for you to dictate for them what they should do, you're never mm-hmm. going to do a better job of it because you don't know their circumstances as well as they do. Um, and so that's why free market always works better. But it's it's not always going to produce the results we want. Um, and so I think that's why there's just such this driving force for people to step in is because every time it goes wrong, they feel like, oh, we could have prevented this. It's like, yes, you could have. But what else are you going to? you're going to cause something else to go wrong. Mm -hmm. So it's like, that's what they don't consider. Right. So it's like, yeah, like the Fed can prevent all stock market crashes forever, right? But it's like, they could also cause a (laughs) a dollar crisis. So, you know, there's trade-offs, right? right? And people don't often look at the trade-offs or the opportunity costs or whatever, the unseen. Yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, about the stock market like preventing a stock market crash people Mm -hmm. are like oh my gosh the stock market's going up you know 
what is it, what is the cause? What's the purpose? You know, what or like why? What do people see? What is the market anticipating? They're expecting a V bottom in the economy. You know, like a mm -hmm. massive like return to normal. And it's just like, or the Fed doesn't want the stock market to go down, <laughs> so they're like backstopping it. It's just right. like it's not that it's not that complicated. It's like the Fed wants the stock market to not go down, <laughs> so they're making it go up. <laughs> they can do that, <laughs> right? People don't like to think about that because it's like their retirement and they're like, oh, I'm a good investor. Like people on Wall Street think like, oh, I made all this money in the last 10 years because I'm smarter than <laughs> it's people like that a, aren't on Wall Street. It's like that Monopoly experiment where it's like they gave a bunch of people a head start in Monopoly and then like they win and they go, oh, how'd you win? And they go, oh, strategy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the, truth, the truth of the matter is the Fed can like you said, prevent every single stock. Now that we've seen that they're willing to buy equities, yeah, they haven't bought, um, you know, stocks. stock. But I yet. mean, they've like for some of these, for some of these businesses, high yield, like their high yield bonds, their their corporate bonds, like this is their lifeline, right? Like this is how they stay in business. So for the Fed to come in and step in and buy their bonds, that keeps that business afloat and. If their bonds are junk, there's a reason for that. There's something wrong with this business. I mean, not necessarily wrong, but it's like there's it's something risky. with this business that makes it highly risky. And so yeah. like, there's a reason people are cautious with highly risky businesses. It's not right for someone to go, no, no, make sure this highly speculative, highly risky business doesn't go out of business. That's fail. the point of taking risks is you got to see what works, what fails. And so right. for you to be like, no, no risky businesses should ever fail it's like all right well then how are we going to know what works <laughs> yeah yeah it's just a it's just mal it's just malinvestment that's what malinvestment is mm -hmm. um and people are so happy to say no one can see this coming like you hear that over and over no one can see this coming it's not anyone's fault <laughs> that these businesses are failing it's like yes you can say it's not someone's fault and let the business fail right like it's not like that's um it's not the worst case scenario. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Losing your job, losing your business is not the worst case scenario. Uh, putting all your eggs in one basket is not a good way to live your life. Like if you just, if you are heavily reliant on your job mm -hmm. to survive, then uh, that that should. I mean, that's you can make the argument. Well, yeah, that was a decision people had to make ten years ago, and they're in. They're not in that position now. It's like okay. But you have to talk about, like now is the time to talk about it. Your eggs should not have all been in one basket. Mm -hmm. like, th this failed, and you had everything invested in it. Um, and the other thing is, it's not like no one saw this. It's not that no one saw this coming. There was some entities like uh, I just saw Wimbledon, the tournament, the tennis tournament um, in in England. Um, they had an insurance policy. Did you did you read this one? Nah. Yeah, Wimbledon ever since SARS has been has been um, investing two million dollars a year in an insurance policy, a uh, pandemic insurance policy. Uh, wow! So for for seventeen years they've been putting two million dollars a year out of their operating profit. That would have been just profit right to the mm. to their shareholders or you know the stakeholders yep. of the. Or they could have share buybacks or whatever the hell. Whatever. Um, <laughs> They put it in this insurance policy that paid out this year 144 million, yeah, right around 140 million, I think. Mm -hmm. 
which their revenue is like 280 million mm-hmm. on a normal year. Right. So I think if that, I think if you take into account, you know, their expenditure, I think that's like right around probably maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit more than what they would have normally operate, their normal operating profit would have been. So it's like they're getting a massive payout because they had the, you know, forethought to, uh, to put some money aside in the event that they're literally two week per year revenue generating <laughs> right. event could be could be canceled over something as as exogenous as a as a pandemic. So um, I I heard that example and it's just like it's not like it's impossible to see coming. Like right. there's always risk. Like you can always prepare for right. And uh, like insurance isn't even about predicting. It's not like they were predicting the coronavirus. Right. No, they were just saying. Okay, what are we sensitive to? We're sensitive to right. things that could shut down our, you know, very short span of ter- like revenue generation every year. Okay, let's protect against that. That's all they're mm-hmm. doing. It's just hedging, and like this is not, it's not a crazy thing to ask of people is to hedge themselves. So like, right. trying to build this society of no one has to hedge, no one has to be careful, no one has to play it safe because it's not your fault. It's like, that's not, like, you're living in fantasy land if you think that's achievable. Because who's going to be smart enough to run this society to predict everything ahead of time (laughs) so that we're prepared no matter what? Like, it just doesn't exist. Like, you can't expect this to be, to happen. Yeah, I think, and and the thing is, people don't even realize what they're asking for. Like, for example... If you if you if you think that the real solution to this problem is this complete government overstepping of what is probably okay for a government to do, mm-hmm. it's what's definitely over okay <laughs> for a government to do, um, and to to tell everyone stay in your house, it's illegal to leave your house, you know stuff like that, and we're gonna print a bunch of money and we're going to buy a bunch of stuff in the open market uh, with unlimited printing presses, stuff like that. You say, okay, the government's the our backstop. The go- we need the government in the time like this. Well, you say, okay, if that's the solution, well, how could the the government be more effective? Well, at the on the onset of this pandemic, the government could have been really early and say, there's no cases in the U.S. yet, but everybody go on lockdown. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And what if it's like, uh, what if it is like a lesser a lesser flu? Right. You like no it one knows at the time when it, a lot of damage. No, it caused less damage. No, I'm saying I'm the saying government it, could have caused a lot of damage by right, shutting right, right. down when it shouldn't have. Yeah, what if it turns out the um, the coronavirus has no impact to Americans for some reason? Our mm-hmm. diets are different. Right. I don't know. Just you know, think of this as a, a thought experiment. If if the Americans were able to really be uh, really be um, resistant to the strain of coronavirus. Um, and then it came to America, and everyone it was a non-issue. Well, your solution of the oh the government if the government was able to front run this and re- front run this and really shut down everything before the onset, it's like, well you don't know what's going to be a bad virus or you know what's going right. to be a non-issue. Like, like no one can make that decision, and if they do make that decision, people are sitting in their houses. They're already they're more antsy than they are right now because they're like, this may not even be necessary. Right. Like at least at least for this example, people were like, okay, like. I don't want people to die, so I'll stay home. It's right. kind of my decision. Uh, and well, the government's just, like, helping. And most people I know, they're, they're, you know, social distancing and doing whatever 
for one, their sake, probably first and foremost, and two, for the people around them that they care about's sake, uh, probably higher on the list for some people, <laughs> lower on the list for others. But like, they're doing this all their own choice, most people. Uh, I don't I don't think I've ever talked to anyone who said, man, I, if it wasn't for the government, I would be doing this, yeah. that, and the other. Like, that's not what I hear from people. Uh, and so for the, I think essentially what's happening is here, it's people's own freedom to step back and and do less and try to prevent the virus from spreading. That's that would have happened with or without the government. Then the government comes in and they say, "We're shutting this down. We're shutting that down." And they go, "Look, we did it, guys. We saved <laughs> we saved everyone." And it's like they didn't do anything. And in fact, in fact, they could be harming certain businesses that actually maybe could be operating in a safe way. Like, you know. They just don't have, like I, like we've said before, the government is just a brute force. Like they just go shut everything down. They're not. There's no nuance, right? Like, what if there was a business that actually isn't putting anyone in jeopardy, but for whatever reason is considered non-essential and just gets, you know, closed down because someone calls the fucking cops on them and says shut them down. I see them operating, and it's like that didn't have to happen, um, but it's just this heavy-handed approach that to me isn't needed because in fact people don't want to spread the virus they want to do what they can to make sure it doesn't spread and only people themselves are going to know i'm out of food i can't pay rent i can't i i gotta do something all right at that point they're more likely to die from their inability to work than they are the coronavirus so it's like only that individual knows their you know risk tolerance and their savings and like that all that information is held by them and they know, you know, I may go out and maybe I might infect someone that might hurt them. And I, you know, or I'll get myself infected and that might hurt me. But like, you know, who are you to say, no, you, you sit home and starve. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like that, like that doesn't seem right to me. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause the first episode we recorded about it, you know, mm-hmm. weeks or months ago, uh, when it first the first outbreak started in Wuhan, you know, our kind of policy was like it might be good for a government to be able to shut down travel and shut down spread, mm-hmm. um, which I think it, it is the case because you don't want in an economy or in like society, you don't want people that, you know, you, you may not have any choice, but like they could go off and live the, the risky life that they feel is mm-hmm. okay for them, but then they come into contact with you and like, you were relatively risk-free and you right. were just this unfortunate um, confrontation with them led you to embrace more risk than you would have wanted just because that person was, you know, mm-hmm. so you kind of like lose the ability to protect yourself mm-hmm. in without. But I think there's a difference between containing the spread. Mm-hmm. Like at that point, it was like in one city. It was like in Wuhan right. and like a couple other places. So it was like, it may be better for the government to like say like no one's leaving the city right. um, than it is now for like to just say like the whole economy shut down because we're trying to contain the spread even though I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. Like there is this aspect of like third parties being affected. If I'm going out and just licking doorknobs and like, <laughs> you know, whatever, and then just right. running through the hospital, touching all the beds, like that's yeah. clearly that should not be allowed. Like that person is being reckless. Um, And again, to to draw the line between 
uh, reckless behavior versus, you know, maybe pushing the boundaries a little bit is, is hard. It's hard for anyone to say where that line is, let alone the government, which is extremely heavy handed. And when you're placing sweeping stuff like this, I think it's better to be cautious than, um, I guess you could interpret cautious in different ways. You might say it's cautious as shutting everything down. Uh, but I don't know that it is. Um, I would say yeah. cautious in terms of their actions. What are they actually doing? They have to be cautious with what they actually do and mm -hmm. let people pick up the slack um, in terms of if they're not doing enough. It's tough. It's, it's not a, I don't think it's really straightforward. Um, I think the, I think the best thing would be, this is kind of a separate issue, but to have like PPE stocked, <laughs> right? But that's, uh, that's, it's kind of too late for that. We just don't have the PPE. But I think it, um, if we had more of our freight savings freed up, we did like our government wasn't such a big burden on us for everything that it does spend on. There'd be more room in private markets to prepare for things like this. I think you'd start to see people with yeah, like more emergency stockpile because they'd have more of their money in their own hands and they'd be supporting the government less. Because it's like, if you think about yeah. every tank that the government builds, that came out of individual savings. And what 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 could have that been? You know, if instead of a tank, it could have been, you know, PPE or whatever, like in the hands of people right. who need it. So like, that's what the government doesn't consider. Yeah, um, I think that's a great point. Uh, I th I, it's... I, I like to have these conversations. I keep saying I think it's important to have these conversations now because no one really listens when it's times are good. But like <laughs> having the conversation of like what should have been done, I think the real solution to this pandemic would have been stuff we should have done. Mm -hmm. um, it's You kind of sound like an asshole when you say that during the pandemic. Cause you're like, okay, well, what do we do now? It's like, well, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's tough. But <laughs> what should have been done is like you said, if savings were plentiful in a healthy economy right the idea of being out of work if the government says everybody who can stay home from work for the next six months if you have a strong savings account if you have a strong you know rainy day fund the the prospect of staying home for six months on end is not a big deal like it's right. like okay i can still keep going to the store i can keep providing for myself and you know buying things it's like that's fine. Like I have no issue with that. Like a lot of people would be able to say that when you, when you extend yourself, you become this like dependent person. I need to go to my job. I need to work to make money to live. And it's like, why, you know, that all goes back to like the interest rate policy from the federal reserve. Um, so that's just another thing. Like that's like a second order effect that I think is so important to understand when making policy for like right. a situation like this, but that stuff is not talked about. Like no one talks about, the second order effects of having a save, having a, you know, a cash reserve. Mm -hmm. um, it's actually like, it's, it's human safety. It's like, that's why you need a cash reserve. So you're not dependent on a job or being at a certain place when that place might kill you. If you, you know, if there's a pandemic, a dangerous pandemic. Right. And what John's talking about when he talks about second order effects, like not to like freaking geek out on you guys, but like in engineering, Basically, any kind of engineering you have, if you if you ever take any kind of it, uh, stability is going to come up in like your courses, um, and what stability is is it tells you essentially uh, 
if you have some sort of perturbation on a system, where is it going to go, right? So like you can imagine a pencil, right? If you if you somehow manage to balance it on the, the point of the pencil on a table and have it standing up, okay, we all know that's <laughs> not stable, right? But if you balance it perfectly, you could you could look at it and be like, look, it's standing up. It's fine. It's fine. It's totally fine. It takes what's called a second order analysis to understand that it's not fine. And what's the second, why it's called second order is because it's a second derivative. You're looking at the second derivative of uh, what's act, uh, the forces acting on it. So like essentially gravity is the second derivative of where it's going to go. And that tells you this pencil, if you move it in any direction, it's going down. Whereas if you lay the pencil flat on its side and you nudge it, it's going to, it's going to keep laying there. Okay. That's, Mm -hmm. that's what a, a second order analysis is. And so, when you apply it to, you know, complex systems like an economy, it's it's not it's like the model isn't as clear mathematically, but you, the 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 mental model is similar, uh, the way of thinking is similar, and in that sense is, okay, if we build this economy that's built on spending and consumption, and we just rely on everyone to keep spending and consuming and live and just you know whatever money they earn, they just go out and spend it no matter what. That's kind of essentially. The way you hear people talk about economics these days goes, spending is good, right? Yeah, spend, oh, more spending. Spending is good. That's all they talk about <laughs> is spending. And they never talk about savings, right? And so when we run into this situation, like John said, where no one has, you know, six months of savings lined up, it creates second order effects in the sense that, okay, no one has any savings. So now the government has to go out and basically provide for all the people who have no savings and then it's like, what are the effects of that? And it may turn out that this is an unstable system. When you're everyone's <laughs> living paycheck to paycheck, and then you have any kind of perturbation, volatility, it may actually turn out that that's unstable and the whole thing collapses. Yeah, um, that's a definitely a good way to put it. Or that's a definitely good uh, analogy to draw to like mathematics and calculus. Um, I am a strong believer, so like what you're saying, people are saying, people, I think some people say you can't, you can't um, allow the system to correct for an unstable system. You have to have that government arm in there. That's the only thing that's going to correct that instability. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, repercussions to that. I think one, it gets more unstable. The more you, the more it relies on an external hand um, of government. To, to maintain stability, the more it's the less stable it becomes, you know, negative feedback cycle. Um, but then also, I'm a strong believer that for an unstable system, the only way to solve for that, like in a free market, is like generations of learning. Right. Right. If you had a, if your grandfather, you know, worked at, a, you know, worked somewhere and he was dependent on his salary um, and then something happened to his job and the government saved him, well, then his son might do the same thing because he's just like oh the government saved me so you can do the same thing and then his son you know might do the same thing oh uh, the government saved me here and the government so just you know you don't really have to have a strong savings account if your father and your grandfather don't stress to you the importance of a savings Mm -hmm. a rainy day fund then you're you're probably not gonna it's not gonna be instilled in you i think it's like a general like the things you learn from your parents are like the strongest lessons Hmm. and when your parents are instilled like if you if you get if there's like a crisis and their ass gets handed to them and then they're like, 
well, that was terrible. What should I have done differently? Oh, I should maybe, if I couldn't develop a savings account, mm -hmm. then maybe having two skills, one where I do a day, you know, my day job, and then another, if I can't do my day job anymore, I'll do another thing mm -hmm. that's a source of income if I, you know, just like that's that form of, uh, that form of optionality mm -hmm. of just like having your life not dependent on one scenario being true forever. Mm -hmm. That's like something you, you get, it, it gets ingrained in you and then you pass that on to your community and your, you know, offspring. And I think that's the only real way that you can like <laughs> go away from that instability is like a slow multi-generational like value instillment of, of this, uh, of like what's a good principle to live by. Right. For sure. Uh, and another reason why, you know, um, I think government solutions are inherently unstable is because they tend to revolve around steady state. And what I mean by that is think about like unemployment benefits when they were deciding on like what they should do for unemployment benefits. They built that model around, you know, just a stable economy and the numbers they were seeing at that time. That's like what you could say, steady state. Like it's a stable equilibrium at that point. Um, but then now that you have this like unemployment benefits, like you're not accounting for, okay. And that, so that's baked into the budget and you're going to be like, okay, this is the amount of money we're going to dish out for unemployment every year. Okay. But now what, what happens when you have a crisis like you do? Okay. Now suddenly unemployment goes up to 30%. That's, that's unheard of. We never, that, that wasn't baked into their model. So now suddenly they're dishing out a ton more money on unemployment. What else is happening? They're actually getting less money in taxes because less people are working. The economy slices apart. So there's actually less revenue for them to use. They have to dish out more money and all the other things they plan to spend on are still there. And so this is this is an example of second order effect that it's just not, it's not just that there's more unemployment. You're actually getting less revenue. And then there's a feedback loop there because while they can either cancel everything and start over, which never happens, or they double down and they take out a bunch of debt and try to cover their obligations, or they have the Fed come in and print it. And now you may be able to get back to stability, but at a lower level. And so you're, you may become stable again, but you've basically baked into the cake a bunch of crap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I I mean I these examples I I I can speak personally about um so I think that for me when I was told, you know, once I started working and started making money, I was told to, you know, have 6 months of of living expenses in a savings account, you mm -hmm. know, in cash, liquid, ready to be spent. And I, I you know, I worked for a year, two years, and I was just thinking about what's the actual scenario that I need money to let you know mm -hmm. i have i have credit cards and stuff i could put some expenses on that and i have you know like even if i lose my job like i wasn't like worried about like having why would i ha i need an immediate like cash on hand mm -hmm. and i think that i think that's just a reflection of like no none of our parents grandparents you know our whole society the the instillment of like so social programs like jeff you're talking about having mm -hmm. like a uh a, a uh a welfare state that's like not it's not or, or it is susceptible to you know 
un unplanned second order effects like that kind of never really uh really affected our culture and i think mm -hmm. when it got to me i was like yeah do i even need one i was like i should have one probably so I, you know I, I i have one but i uh i, I was like i'm just gonna do this because i think that it's it could possibly it could be something you know what i mean mm -hmm. it was nothing i was planning nothing but it's just like that's the whole i guess that's the whole theme of this like conversation it's like you have to do things to maintain optionality even though it's not something you're planning for it's gotta yeah. be something it's just like you gotta keep that that open that open option for what you don't plan for all right well <laughs> what else what else i think that was a good good session that was good. awesome all right thanks for every thanks everyone for doing less um see you next week yeah take it easy